You are now listening to Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, Todd Fox, and Gabby Gap. Police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified more victims and killed even more. Plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them. And that he was also a necrophiliac. <laughs> Hey, 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 welcome into another episode of the Grinding True Crime Podcast with the host, Maddie Matt, along with. And they're ready for they will be. Chide Fox. That's right, we're back, you guys. Sorry, we've been gone for a while. A lot of things been going on, but we're back, and we know you all missed us, and we missed y'all. But before we get into this episode, I want to let you guys know where you can find us. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just type in Grinding True Crime Podcast, and there you can find our page. Like our page and comment on our page, and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. If you want to listen to us on your podcast stream, just go to Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, or Podvine. And for those listening to us outside of the U.S., you can continue to listen to us on Radio Public, Breaker, Pocket Cash, and Podchaser. Go to Redbubble.com, type in Top Fox 80 and there you can get merchandise courtesy of Grinding to Crime. And if you like what you hear and you want to leave a Cash App donation, just go to Cash App, download the app, and type in dollar sign grinding true crimes. Also, we have an announcement. We are officially on YouTube. There you can find us. Just type in grinding true crimes on YouTube, and you can uh, find us there and follow us there and, su- and subscribe to us. we got a lot of new things coming up. Uh so uh, be patient with us because we we are moving. Also, next week, I know it's been a long time since we recorded, but actually, it's the last uh, weekend of the month. We might change the date to Saturday. Usually we do it on Sunday, but we might change the date on Saturday. I believe that will be uh, Saturday, November 26th. We will uh, uh, announce the time because it might be a late show, but we will switch the date from Sunday to Saturday next week for our live show. And being that we're now closer to Todd Fox, we will be going live more than once a month. Isn't that right, Todd? Yeah, we're going to try to do at least twice and then um, also more shows during the week. I know that for sure, at least two a week. So we'll we'll be starting to kick that in really soon. We also got another interview coming up here on our next episode with a um, sort of our unsolved series, I guess, which we're starting. Uh, we, if you enjoyed the Lisa May uh, interview, we have another interview with another mother, grief-stricken mother, we'll talk about uh, on our next case as well. Thank you, Todd, for breaking that down. 
Oh, and for the YouTube, it, we're giving a visual to our podcast, basically. So you'll see nice pictures and videos. My bad. Sweet. No, that's cool. Sweet. All right. So I lost all my breath doing all the dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> so without further ado, Todd Fox, kick in the next the episode you got right now for us, brother. Will do. And obviously, too, I forgot to mention, um, and, and I think Matt did, too, we're going to be... Uh, in the studio for the first time too we're going to be doing a lot of episodes together so it'll sound a lot better trust me absolutely <clears throat> yep so we're excited about all the new changes let's get into the episode shall we let's do it all right so i just want if this were a classroom and you're listening at home or wherever you're at work or whatever uh i want you to show of hands how many of you out there love to watch uh, true crime documentaries or, or listen to them like you are obviously you know now you're a true crime fan for whatever reason but we all are we all are into this right yeah and, uh, i have both arms and both legs up there you go <laughs> <laughs> but but i just want to know by show of hands because how many of you out there also can listen to it by yourself does that freak you out kind of um you know i've watched a few crime shows on the on the, on the tv by myself and i i didn't get freaked out too much so so yeah. so you, oh go ahead gabby yeah I, i'm capable of doing that i mean i always enjoy watching it with somebody else just because it gets more interesting mm -hmm. but i can watch it alone i was used to that actually before i met matt i would watch all the true crime by myself okay well i'm, I'm glad you brought that up so so gabby you're you were you ever in bed late at night you know kids asleep watching you know, a true crime documentary just by yourself? Yes. Okay. So picture this though. Picture a younger Gabby, about 21. Nah. <laughs> but you're, you're just a year ago. I'm still 21. Yeah, you're you're 22. That's what you are. A year ago, <laughs> 21. Uh, there you go. But let's just let's just uh, pretend that Gabby's uh Gabby's in bed right now. She has her big screen in front of her bed. She's watching a true crime episode maybe a little popcorn there with some wine before she knocks out and uh you're like wow this case is crazy oh man you know like he's got him down in the basement oh that sucks what what he's doing hey wait a minute it kind of looks like my basement and then you zero in a little bit and they start talking about certain things you're like wow that killer has the same kind of dining set that i have upstairs and then all oh, of a sudden, no. and then all of a sudden, they show the address of the house, and it's your house. What? Get out! <laughs> that happened to a person in our story tonight. Wait, wow. what? Yeah, that happened. Um, and we'll get to what happens with her later at the end of the story. But basically, that's how this one starts out. She <laughs> found out. If that had been me, I'd have been on the in the car already, speeding <laughs> at that place. Yeah, you gotta ask me what I would have been doing. <laughs> yeah, Matt would have been gone. The first, the first sign. The first, he's like, "Run!" Is that a six on that door? Yep, I'm gone. Let's go. See, as as Matt leaves the house, I'm I'm a white guy, so I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, let me go investigate. <laughs> I walk in as he walks out, as he runs out. I'd be one foot in, one foot out. Yeah. Go with Todd. Investigate. Run with Matt. Save your life. <laughs> he's all hell no. <laughs> you're gonna see white smoke that's all you're gonna see i'm gone <laughs> but this is but this is what happened and uh we're gonna go to uh ferguson missouri 
uh, and this is where it's located at. It's uh, a little east of St. Louis, Missouri. So <clears throat> St. Louis, Missouri, Ferguson, Missouri. Ferguson, uh, little details on this city if you're outside the United States. It's, uh, you know, when you have whatever you want to call it goes down um, between the police and, you know, the black community. Uh, it sometimes could be hostile. Uh, in this town, there's been multiple shootings that have been iffy or not iffy, cho choosing on who do you believe or or the evidence that's presented. They've had riots there. It's been just, you know, really racially divided area of Missouri, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, back in the day, that used to be mostly a white town, but they had a white flight. And now today, um, it has 18,000 residents and 67% of them are black. So it's a heavily black area, um, but they have four times the amount of crime of the national average. The police have been either defunded or there's just not enough of them. Um, you know, it, unfortunately, it's just it's a bad situation. Makes sense. Yeah, <clears throat> but we're going to but this is the state of where it is now. Um, it was a little bit better when when this story takes place uh, over 20 years ago. Um, but, uh, we're going to talk about one Maury Travis, Maury Travis, um, Maury Travis. Yeah. You ever heard of him? Sound familiar? No. Okay. Sounds like a rapper. <laughs> yeah, he sure does. <laughs> or, or someone that tells you you're not the father or you are. <laughs> <the father. laughs> so. You are not the father. <laughs> then you hear the rap music and the guy's dancing. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> I told you. And somehow somebody she's running line. somewhere. Yeah, she's on the she's on the ground with her weave like that. Oh, it's already back at the chair. You know, she's in the backstage area. So. <laughs> yeah, that's the Maury Povich show. Um so uh we're gonna talk about Maury uh Travis. He was born uh October twenty fifth, nineteen sixty nine in St. Louis, Missouri, the, the city itself. Um, he grew up in a housing development with his two, uh, with his mom and dad. Uh, the thing is with him, there's just not much known about him other than the friends that he grew up with and the cousins that he had. Uh, the, the mother who's still alive to this day um, doesn't provide too much information on his childhood. Um, all we know is that he was really a sweet kid. Uh, no head injuries that we know of. Um, no killing of animals, no wetting the bed. Mm -hmm. So this mm. one's this one's a bit different. Definitely. Yeah. Um, his parents were divorced at the age of thirteen. That's like the worst stuff that we can get out of him before his high school and college years. Dang. So there's not too much right there. Um, but pretty every... much any typical person you know. Pretty much, yeah. He's a, just a regular John Doe. Um, uh, the only thing that they said that. He was a really sweet kid, really sweet young adult, um, very nice, very respectful, um, never got into trouble. Uh, you know, if an if a old lady needed help crossing the street, he was sort of that Boy Scout type of kid. Like, like he had a good reputation in his, in his city, or, or at least in his town. Um, Is that the first story we've ever done where somebody's this normal? Uh, it's one of the first, yeah. I think, I think we may have done one other one, but, but, this, but this guy was more squeaky clean than the other one. For sure. Dang. <clears throat> yeah. So um, he gets, he graduates high school. 
non-assuming he's not a valedictorian though he's not like you know 4.0 or nothing like that but he's a good kid so there's no issues mm -hmm. um he actually gets uh into computers in 1987 through 1989 um he's going to morris college which is just outside st louis so he's got himself a, a paid for scholarship because you know our academic scholarship to the college and he's learning about computers when when computers were just breaking onto the scene so if he follows where he's supposed to go and he graduates, you know, this guy could be, you know, a millionaire later. You know what I mean? Like he's getting in at the right time at, you know, when technology's starting to take off. Mm -hmm. But what's one thing that you think derailed him? Finally. Mm. Either girls or drugs. Gotta I'm, pick one, Gabby. I'm gonna say girls i'm gonna say the drugs especially in the 80s wait matt, no this is 90s matt called it though damn it i had it too you you had it yeah <laughs> i was waiting i'm like which way is she gonna go with this one so the drugs so what, what what drug do you think got him cocaina <laughs> <laughs> right again <laughs> now how did he do the crack he sprinkled some crack on <laughs> the what? He sprinkled some crack on it. <laughs> no, <Nah. laughs> nah, he's like, that's far too easy. I'll just smoke it instead. I'm gonna say he shot him with the needles. Nice. He smoked it. He smoked it. Oh, yeah, he smoked crack. it in the line. Because smoking cracks really addicted, addicting. He you know, was on the cracking. He was on the cracking big time. Mm. Um, he, he, he actually dropped out of college. Unfortunately, he was two years in doing really good. Um, he got addicted to smoking crack through some kids that were in his dorm and, uh, he what couldn't, what a moron two years in already. And you're going to drop out. Yeah. And he was, he was actually doing really good in his class, like really good. Um, he began to have to feed his need. I mean, obviously he had a part-time job going to college. He can't afford much crack. His crack habit got up to $300 a day. Dang. Day. For back then. So think about that. You're talking Dang. early 90s, like around the 9091 time, and he's got a crack habit of $300 a day. Damn. Yep. So he began to rob, as you do. You got to feed the need. You got to feed the habit. And, um... He went out and he started robbing people, stealing cars, trying to just come up with any kind of money. And he got the brilliant idea, as most crackheads do, uh, not to purchase a real gun, but pa uh, purchase a plastic gun and uh, just take off the orange part, paint the rest black and, uh, you know, rob some places. So he began to rob, you know, shoe stores, you know, mm. try to steal Nikes and, you know, pawn them or whatever you got to do. And uh, he robbed five of these stores. <clears throat> and uh, the cops finally got him on the fifth one after he had, had made some big come-ups. And they arrested him. And uh, he was facing a good, you know, nine to ten years per robbery because although it was a plastic gun, it still was an armed robbery. And, you know, how, how are the people supposed to know? You know, it's traumatic. That is true. Yeah. So his defense was the crack made me do it. <laughs> Do we have Johnsons? And the Johnsons were all 
Alright. <laughs> like he's not guilty. <laughs> no, but they were, they were they, the judge was like, you know what? We're you know, he was he was willing to go the you know wanting to teach the kid a lesson, but at the same time Maury had a good reputation prior to the drugs. So the more that his public defender was like, hey, you know what, look at his re- resume before the drugs. You know, he didn't know he was doing what he was doing. And his, his, uh, keep this in mind for later, his um, public defender uh, wrote the local congressman who sent a letter with a stamp and, and it was official letterhead of the Missouri um, City Council congressman type thing, mm. stating that he knew um, his mother, Sandra, and he knew um, oh. Ma- Maury. Yeah, Sandra's the name. Um, or. <laughs> <laughs> and he knew Maury, and uh, he said, "You guys are bad." Uh, I that. <laughs> he said that uh, I know these two, and this family's nice, and Maury's a good kid. Give him a chance, you know. So he wrote this big letter to the judge, and uh, he had it stamped. And uh, the judge was kind of impressed by that. <clears throat> so instead of giving him the max per armed robbery, he gave him three years per robbery. That totaled him at 15 with the opportunity of parole if he was on good behavior possibly within eight years so you would think you know he got really really lucky you know so at this at this point you're like okay you know he has he can go one of two ways he can get worse or he could turn his life around and take the break that he got do do as much time you know do as Try to get out a little early, but do your time, be a good behavior, and get out and change your life, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, he doesn't start off that good. Um, no. Yeah, he starts writing the judge that just gave him a lenient sentence that life in jail is unbear- uh, unbearable. He can't handle it. Uh, you know, there's rapes that he's witnessed. There's beatings. Uh, there's all kinds of, like, illicit activity going on. Uh, the guards are beating the inmates. Um, people are taking advantage of others in different ways. And <clears throat> he's like, it's ugly here. Like, I want to commit suicide just to get out of here. Please help me out. You're the only one that uh, that can help me. And so he wrote this long letter to the judge. And what do you think happened? He overturned it. I'm going to say the judge looked at that letter and threw it in the in, the, in his files or something. No, Gabby got this one. What? Yeah, he only got five years out of the 15. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so that's with like, you know, that's like the least amount, like like that's the most he could take off, basically, the judge helping him out. So he, he gets him paroled at the age of 28 in 1994. So he only does five years and three months in jail. Not bad. <sighs> yeah. Now, can he take... What happened? I'm not jacked up. It's jacked up because the judge wants to help this person pleading for his help, but this person terrorized others. Mm-hmm. He didn't help people. He traumatized them. He threatened them. And he just gets... Like, people are compassionate toward him, but he wasn't compassionate when he was trying to grab his fix and yep. terrorize others. Yep. Yep. Now, now here's the part that's going to make you upset again. 
after you know what happens later on in the story. Mm. So it's, not, it's 1994 right now. He just got a huge break. Uh, he goes to a culinary school because the prison had helped him out. In the, you know, he was working the kitchen in the prison. Um, so he learned some skills there. And then the, also, you know, after you get paroled, sometimes these, these um, programs are there for the inmates to get them readjusted to society again. They'll help them out with a trade. So he took his what he learned in prison, and then also <clears throat> took it into a. Um, a I hope home. they don't eat. I hope they don't eat his food. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, this is not one of those though, Matt. But I like the way you're thinking. Oh, but, okay. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't cooking up any kind of testicles. Yeah, boy, prison food, man. I'm trying. Okay, go go on. <laughs> <laughs> no, he um he actually got into some good restaurants and some you know like he. He he um, was working as a short order cook, and then he started working as a line cook in various restaurants, kind of bouncing around, making really? some hours. Yeah, he he was starting to come up a little bit again. Did he go to La Porte on Blue? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> Cord on Blue with some uh, what is it called? Uh, little string beans and mashed potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> some plastic forks. Um, oh. <laughs> Nobody, uh, he was doing all right, uh, but seven years, um, there's a little gray area. Um, he was doing some uh, not always kosher things. Um, he was still dabbling with drugs, although he he wing, you know he was off of it for a good while, but he started to get back into crack again, and then he started to have to do some things, and that's why he was bouncing around because he would have a hard time holding jobs because sometimes he'd go mm. on benders miss a miss a couple days or even a week and they'd fire him you know so he even he even (laughs) getting more breaks he would get arrested for you know violating parole either being caught um trying to buy drugs or solicit prostitutes and uh you know the judge was like hey i told i thought i told you stay away from here and then he's like (laughs) all right and then he's back and then he comes gets arrested again he's like hey what i just tell you and then the guy's like, guys like, I'm sorry. He's like, all right, and lets him go again. Like they, wow. <laughs> it was a revolving door. He kept getting violating probation and got just sent right back out. Interesting. Yeah. So um, he um, he began in, in early 2000 to have uh, more prostitutes actually come to his home now. So he's he's a. Uh, He's he's like I don't want to do this prostitution stuff on the street. Let's start bringing them home, and uh, mm-hmm. he ups it by saying, uh, "If we're gonna have sex in my house, since we have a private area, let me videotape it." <clears throat> so he starts videotaping him having sex with uh, various prostitutes and women of the night. Um, and you know, hey, if it's consensual, if you paid for it, there's uh, right here. He's not committing no crimes right here. I mean. You know, in a way, you know what I mean. Like, like he's not on the street, stuff like that. You know, yeah. like, he's uh, bringing the work home, I guess. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but he's up in the game as he goes about it. You know what I mean? Like, it goes from like consens- consensual sex, regular sex to like uh, weird fetishes to bondage. So he starts like, you know, he, you know how it is. Like, you just can't. Um, yeah. He's he's just he's uh continuing to do his thing basically. So uh in two thousand one, um he has a prostitute over the house. And um 
he has consensual sex, gets a little rough. Um, but there's where things change. Uh, during the videotape, um, he begins to hit her. And then he uh, wraps uh, duct tape around her eyes, which has got to freaking hurt. It's yeah, that's got to hurt. Yeah. Um, he bounds her legs and also her wrist. <clears throat> and he drags her naked body while she's alive down to the basement. Um, he they didn't then... try to fight him off? Huh? They didn't try to fight him off? Uh, no, because he, he hit her to stun her, basically. Yeah. Yeah, and she's bound. Her legs are bound. Yeah, he takes her down to the basement, and um, he starts to, um, what is it, uh, berate her and talk crap about her and tell her, you know, uh, just just things about her family and her, and her choices. So here's a guy who's made terrible choices over the last few years, including his incarceration and with drugs and everything. And he's trying to tell someone to fix their life when he's just is screwing their life over in front of their eyes. Blind leading the blind. Yep. All the while, while he, when, before they, you know, got into this predicament where he's got her tied up, they had smoked crack. So who's he, who's he to talk, you know? Who's he to talk? Yeah. And uh, so he ties her to that pillar. There's, there's, a, there's a basement and uh, it's pretty. I don't know the dimensions of it, but it's a pretty big basement under this house. And there's one pillar that holds up, you know, part of the roof that's right in the middle of the um, basement. And he's got her tied up to that, her hands behind that. He rips the the tape off her freaking eyes and hair. And, oh. Uh, I just hope she didn't have real eyelashes on because, goddamn, that would have hurt. Um, Oof. Yeah, and, and eyebrows. Uh, but this woman is only 19 years old. Dang, and, and uh, he would videotape himself on again. It's gonna be graphic, uh, just torturing her with various, um, you know, utensils or sexual toys, but not in a good way. And uh, also him having sex with her as she's tied up to that pole. And um, after he's done berating her one more time, he um, strangles her until she's not breathing. And then he looks back at the camera and says, it's the wedding day. It's my first kill. And he smiles. Wow. Yo. Yo, this guy is crazy. Yeah, and the wedding day <clears throat> references the ta- the videotape back then, the VHS, um, was a uh, the first hour of the video is actual videotape from a wedding. I don't know whose wedding, but um, it's labeled wedding day, but that's his first rape and torture so yeah yeah, that's very tough Um, she was 19 years old and I say she was 19 years old without a name because to this day way back then we still don't have a um, name to the victim so she's a Jane Doe yeah she's a Jane Doe and um, her body has never been found so what? Yeah, we we can't we can't freaking uh, even test the the bones or anything to try to do a, you know, reverse genealogy or anything else like that. She's missing mm-hmm. still. Um, so as his crimes would continue against women, um, there would be more victims that would be tortured with beatings, stun guns, 
um, you know, knives, like stabbings while they're still alive, you know, mutilation. Um, he would berate the women on these videos that would say, what's wrong with you? Why would you get into a car like with a guy like me? Because he would pick him up in his car. Mm-hmm. Um, your family's not going to miss you. What are you going to say to your kids? Tell the tell the people out there you're sorry. Tell your family you're sorry for letting them down. That you're a piece of you know. He's what just yeah. He's torturing these women mentally as well, and he's telling them that as the as he has them for and it's 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 not like he's getting them for a night or two, guys. He's he's got these women for at least a week at a time. Until, uh, huh? Dang. Yeah, until he's tired of them, then that's when he offs them. But basically, see, these women buy themselves some time, but do you really want more time if you're just, the end result's the same? Because I mean, it was hope. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's true, but he's asking them to say every time he does something to them, no matter how vile it is, whether it's making them eat food that they shouldn't be eating, stuff like that, or 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 doing, you know, sexual acts... Um, they have to say, if it pleases me to please you, master, yes, please, I want more. He, Are you kidding me? Yeah, they call him master. Um, just everything. Um, he even told one woman, who's watching your kid right now? i seen pictures of your kids in your wallet. And then she says, uh, your grandma. And he laughed and said, well, it's definitely not you because you're not capable of, capable of it, you whore. Oh. Damn. And your kids will know that they had a mother that was a whore. Stuff like that. Can you believe that? Yeah, you... like the physical pain's not enough. Yep. And he's down there telling them, look at you on your back. This is a quote. Look at you on your back, the cracked out whore that you are, while your kids are worried about you. You don't give a crap about them because you're just too busy smoking crack and giving it up like the cheap whore that you are. When like thirty seconds before that, he's smoking crack. He's smoking crack. <laughs> yes. So a little, yeah, a little hypocritical, don't you think? Uh. So, this one, um, he he uh, his first victim is finally found in April first, uh, two thousand one, two months after um, Alyssa Greenwood, which was the um, prostitute, she was found rotting in a ditch outside of Ferguson Highway, just outside the town. <clears throat> she she was the one that he that had the kids that he was berating on the video. <clears throat> um his next w- woman uh, his next victim, um she was uh when she was younger, when she was seventeen, she had her first child. Um she she was smart, went to went to uh college though, tried to better herself. Mm-hmm but as she did, she kind of followed his sort of background. Uh, she couldn't make it in college and take care of her daughter and with no husband or boyfriend to help her out. Mm-hmm. Um, she began to get into drugs. Drugs led to having her do prostitution. And she would lose, um, what is it called, custody of her child. Um, so the next, you know, 19 years after she had her kid, she only had her kid for a few years before CPS took the kid. Mm. And, um, you know, 2001, she would make the mistake of running into Maury, getting into the car with him. Um, the two would smoke crack. They uh, relaxed. Um, you know, she thought everything was good. 
um, after consensual sex, but then he repeated the, the, the steps that he did with Alyssa and beating her and, and doing everything vile. He held onto her for four days before he strangled her on the video. I wonder where is this coming from? Like, I mean, like, yeah, like out of it just seems like I mean, obviously he was already on the drugs, but it seems like out of nowhere where he just yeah. suddenly snapped and decided to kill somebody. Because, like you said earlier, there's not much to speak on his youth when he was younger, but all this built-up violence had to come from somewhere. Yeah, and unfortunately, like you'll find out the reason why we don't know too much, but. You know, because we've had, you know, it's the same thing that happened with Vaughn Greenwood, you know, like uh, that story that we just put up on YouTube. Um, revisiting that case, you know, there's not much about his pre, you know, his early days, you know, because mm-hmm. he just he became mute. He doesn't want to talk. And then mm. his, his family, you know, he he hadn't been around his family in years. So you don't have that connection. They don't know him. He left when he was a kid. And then this guy, um, his mom won't talk. You know about about certain things like she's she's been off the radar so you know you really don't know and he never talked so yeah it's 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 just weird all they have is what they found in evidence that's it yeah there's got to be more to him mm-hmm. i don't think a person who does that good in life and you know, like starts your life that well is gonna end up like that Unless the drugs really, really, really messed you up like that. I mean, it could. I mean, you guys think, do you guys think that it was like a, like sort of like, you know how Popeye gets his spinach and he gets his strength? Do you think crack (laughs) was just like, well, I'm going to make you murder now? I mean, like, or torture? I mean, was that, was that his like go-to or, or do you think he could have did this high, like not high? I don't think so. I think, I think he, he, he smoked one crack pipe and it got him so high that he was looking for that high every time and that was like his his uh, spinach so to speak if either of you ever smoked crack what's it like like the feeling can it make you do something like that yes write us in the comments if you smoke crack <laughs> <laughs> leave a comment if you, if you got no I mean yeah Max told us that he tried it. Once. I, I've tried it one time. I, I didn't smoke it, but I, I took a lie. And uh, I'm not gonna lie, it made me feel invincible. I felt like nothing could stop me, and I only took a little bit. Wow. So, for someone who's an addict, yeah, he's probably he's probably Superman in his in his mindset. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, I remember you telling me about that, like. Yeah, I mean that was just a little bit. I can imagine. It was just a little, like I just little snort, and I, I, the effects of it, like within thirty minutes, I was just like, yeah, I feel like I could stop a bullet. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, if he's spending three hundred dollars on his crack, yeah, that man is Black Adam, Superman, and Batman combined. That's how. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a little that's more than a bump, dude. Yeah, that's his mode right there. So anything will set him off. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, I guess I guess that's the only thing we have to go on is maybe you know the drugs made him do it type deal. You know, it's just a bad combination with certain people and certain personalities. I guess. Yeah, but, and some some people, you know, they lace they 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 lace their drugs. Yeah. So, 
who knows if he was taking something else with it. That's true. That's true. We just we just know the crack aspect. We don't know if there was any mixture, right? Yeah. But um, in this case of Teresa, um, they would not find her right away. Uh, he he um, he disposed of her body in a vacant lot outside the city, and in the areas of Missouri, uh, Ohio, Michigan, there is an awful lot of condemned houses and vacant lots where people don't venture out to for quite some time. Yep, and they would not find her her body for forty five days. Jeez. Yeah, and she was thirty miles apart from the other unidentified woman. So, well, he throws them in random places. In random places, yeah. Bando. So these were her her remains were picked apart by the weather and by small animals. So there's just like. There's nothing left. There's no DNA to go off of because this is in DNA's like initial stages. They could take hair samples, blood samples, and stuff like that, bone. But this, this was just, like early 2001, right? Yes, yeah, 2001. So, mm. yeah, you can't, uh, you just can't find anything at this one. The only way they were able to identify the body, though, is on her. She had these, uh, I guess, a, a de- these dental, these dental um, implants. That mm-hmm. actually had a serial number on them, and so when oh, they traced, what? yeah, when they cha- when they traced the serial number, then it came back to Teresa. So, interesting. Yeah, that's the only way. It was a, like a dental plate that was keeping her teeth in place. So, probably lost her teeth. Yeah, she probably it was sort of probably like a bridge, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um. So with her being identified, um, you know, there was two right there. And the police weren't, uh, you know, there was a lot of Johnsons at the at, you know, beginning of the story, you know, mm-hmm. you know, in the legal system. Not too many in the in the police department as far as like they just, again, we've talked about so many other stories, even in the early 2000s, whether you're white, black, Hispanic, Asian. And if you're a prostitute, you're just not valued as much as the white suburban woman, the black inner uh, inner city woman that's got a good job, uh, you know, the Hispanic uh, model, whatever like that. Like, you're just not valued like that. You know, prostitution. Yeah, prostitution, it kind of weakens your, your status, and it's unfortunate, but, the you know, these women go missing, and the police really don't, still to this day in some areas, don't take it as serious as they should. Agreed. Yeah. The thing is, though, he was out on parole. Wasn't anybody checking him? No, because what he was, what he was, uh, he he had violated parole several times, and in a high crime area like Ferguson, there's just not enough parole um, agents or whatever you want to call them to 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 keep these guys on track. You know, yeah. um, I think maybe they failed him too, where they didn't put a device on him. They didn't have him with an ankle monitor. Nowhere in the story does it say he ever had one, so that maybe they should have had an ankle monitor on. Yeah, he should have been on house arrest. He was a model citizen when he was younger. That's that was his. They banked him on that. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. They they pretty much took him for what he was twenty years prior. Um, so now at this point, though, here's a here's a problem between Ferguson and St. Louis is not a big, you know, uh, distance. They start to find bodies every six to ten days at this point. Oh, wow. Yeah. Per, you know, they're starting to find, and then when they're f- starting to identify them, they're like, well, she's a prostitute. 
she's a prostitute. And some of the bodies, they can actually find out what they died of. And they're finding on a few of them that there's stun gun marks, there's whippings, there's, you know, like that the person's been whipped. Obviously, the the final, the, the cause of death has been broken windpipe or neck strangulation. So they're, they're finding out, you know, there's ligature marks. These women are not just being killed right away. They're, they're, they're being tortured. So now the police are like, hey, uh, you got a case? I got a case. We all got a case. This is a serial killer. I don't dig it. I'm like, what? <laughs> they're all what? excited and then freaking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're all excited. And then Dr. Phil's like, hey, guys, we got to take things slow and work this case out. You know, and. And then they just they they start a task force, you know. They, it's they start... too much. How much you sound like him? Why you gotta bring Doctor Phil in this man? Leave him alone. He ain't done nothing. Doctor Phil is the new character in our cases. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> We've got to work these cases out one by one. <laughs> so they 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 put them all together, and uh, they start working these cases out, and then you know like. Uh, they're like, yeah, there's there's definitely too many uh too many freaking uh what's it called? Coincidences, yeah. So they're they find up to this point, uh they have five already, but uh they also would tie in another four, so they would have nine. They would have nine murders at this time. That they would nine bodies. Nine <laughs> yeah. Lord. So what happens here now is something that uh on my birthday on my 21st birthday at the time, uh, September 11th happened. So, yeah. yeah. And so they were finding bodies up until September 11th, and then it, everything stopped. Like, uh, they stopped finding bodies. Um, the police were actually thinking that, uh, you know, maybe he um, joined the military. You know, because the task force is there, and three months go by, and there's just nothing. There's no abductions there's no kidnappings there's no beatings because uh, some of these women were getting beating a uh, beaten and they were um saying it was the same guy like 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 hey this there's a black man bald head you know he's a, but that could be anybody you know in the area that's, sure could. that's how they describe him <laughs> yeah not much to him other than he's like a thin build black man late 20s early 30s bald head goatee <laughs> it's like where did they get that from well, that was his description. That was from some of the prostitutes he would beat, and that would get away, you know, or or that he would uh, oh, l- let man. loose because there was a few of them he did torture in different areas, not his house, and he'd let him go. So, um, so again, the the, the police thought that he was he was you know pro America, America, and he fought mm-hmm. he fought the cause, but uh, you know he didn't. He was arrested. Finally, on uh, breaking probation and, and drug uh, drug al- allegations by soliciting uh, prostitutes as well, and he was trying to buy drugs, so he got two counts and he was thrown back in jail. Um, so he would do six months after you know for for the uh, you know for the the violations or whatnot. And here's another break that this guy got. So. Oh. It's frustrating. So obviously, I think it was the mid '90s. They required all inmates, you know, nationwide, that if you commit a felony, 
you had to get, uh, or late 90s, you had to get your DNA, your blood tested, or not blood tested, but mm-hmm. they had to sample your sample. DNA. Yeah, mm-hmm. to put it in the system, right? Mm-hmm. So he had felonies galore, and he should have gotten his DNA taken. He was never swabbed. Never swabbed. Get out. Not once. So he's just going in and out like a freaking, you know, restaurant or 7-Eleven. And <laughs> it didn't register to them like, OK, we've been holding this guy for this much time. And it was for prostitution situations, too. Maybe he's the one that killed all these prostitutes. Yep. They didn't even. <laughs> oh, that guy's such a nice guy. Let's let him go. <laughs> that was it. So, yeah, they they let him go, and uh, that could have uh, saved a few people. Let's just say that. Um, so now you're talking, you know, it's almost 2002, um, and and you know, there's still there's still pe- uh, people are going missing now again because he's out, or it Ooh. is 2002. I'm sorry, people are going missing now, and a reporter from the St. Louis uh, Dispatch, Bill Smith, would write a letter. Because he was troubled the fact that you had all these, um, you know, black women that were prostitutes that the community just didn't care about. And and uh, he's like, I'm going to put a story to Teresa. You know, I'm, I'm going to talk to her family. I'm going to talk to her kid and her kids now because she would have been a grandma. Mm-hmm. And, and we're going to we're going to um, do a profile and make sure that the people in St. Louis know that these victims uh, you know Teresa was a woman was a person had a story other than a prostitute I don't want these women to just be called prostitutes and he was being critical of the police and he was also just telling a story so he met to piss off the police and get public awareness for these women by humanizing them but what he did was he grabbed Maury's attention so uh, Maury would uh, would read the article, and uh, he would write a letter to the St. Louis Post Dispatch, which is the newspaper. What? Yeah, yeah. Maury would write a letter, and uh, he said uh, he said nice letter about uh, Maury or about Teresa. I really appreciated that. Although you didn't have to uh, make the horror out to something that she's really not. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. He said, um, if you want to know more, I suggest you write a letter about a better woman. And that is uh, one of my other victims, Alyssa, one of the other body that you found. That's jacked up. Yeah. And he put his name on that. No. No, I don't think he He did not. He did not put the um, uh, the name on it. But what he did do. He put the victim. Yeah. He he said, uh, if you want more information, write that that column. So Bill Smith did exactly what he was told. He wrote that column after showing it, you know, he kept the letter and, he, and then uh, after writing the column, he's like, dude, I, you know, like I'm going to tell the police about this, which he did. But he said, uh, if they, if the guy writes back, you know, he should have more intimate details because the police were like, well, you could have read that there was another, you know, that Alyssa and the other one were in the newspaper. So I'm not going to take this too seriously. So the cops all... Huh? What did Dr. Phil say about that? Well, Dr. Phil was like, 
There's no need to rush to judgment, people. Let's just take our time. Remember, take our time, one case at a time. And uh, they they really just sat back and, and waited for the next letter. So the next letter came after he, I guess, approved of the Alyssa column because he wrote another nice column about Alyssa. Mm. Um, he wrote a detailed letter down that had a map. And it had three big X marks. And he's like, um, you, uh, he goes, one of these X marks has my 17th victim on it. And if you go there, you'll find it. Mm -hmm. 17th. So the police. So many. Yeah. So the, yeah, but here's the thing. The police were like, wait a minute. We only got nine. Like they're counting their hands all they're like, I don't have 17 fingers. Billy, come over here. Let me start counting your fingers because we got one, three, five, seven, two, nine. We got nine dead bodies. I don't know where the other one, two, seven, three. So, yeah, it took a while. Once the math was finally done by the FBI who came in at this point. They figured it out. Yeah, they figured it out. They're all like, um, Johnson, that's 17. You have nine. That would be eight. Whoa, whoa slow down there, young buck. Slow down. I, we do things a little different over here. So it, that was just a whole nother conversation. But once they finally figured it, it played in. Yeah. <laughs> but once they figured that out, they realized, okay, let's go see where the X on the uh, map is. They found it. And lo and behold, they found a which is described here a bleached skull oh wow yeah i mean oh was he like Dahmer? well they couldn't tell if it was by him or it was the elements but the body had been out there in the vacant lot again for quite some time and it was like either sun bleached or he bleached it with bleach it was that white. Like like when they pulled up looking where the X was on the map or on the GPS, mm-hmm. and they looked out in the field, it was bright. It was like it was staring right at him. A skull. Oh, he was going to make sure they found it then. Yes. Yes. So they would find scattered bones of that body around, um, and that body would not be uh, identified too. So, hey. uh, for, for a while. Um they took the letter and they saw that the the um the stamp was upside down it was the american flag with the twin towers on it and um the return address was a hardcore porn site which was called uh thraldom Whoa. yeah so that was a bondage hardcore porn site they investigated the porn site they realized uh they had nothing to do with it um, they tested the envelope for DNA. Nothing there. Um, so you're thinking, man, when's this guy going to get caught? Mm-hmm. How's this guy going to get caught? Um, the FBI got smart. Um, on the paper that he included in the newspaper, which was the map, they mm-hmm. realized in the corner it was um, it had numbers on it. And when they looked up the numbers, they figured out it came from Expedia.com. Expedia.com Exactly And uh, for the hell of it The FBI contacted Expedia and was like Hey man can you track These numbers that are on the top of your You know because we got this printed picture And it's probably the killers You know 
And uh, lo and behold, Expedia was like, yeah, we can. And with our help oh. from our partners, Microsoft. So they got a subpoena. And, uh, you know, a month later, they went to Microsoft. Microsoft came back with the information. They said, hey, uh, we need, uh, what do you guys need? And they said, we need uh, any kind of Expedia references or, or people looking, searching this area from this time to this time. <laughs> and wouldn't you know it? There's only one person that did. Wow. And it was Maury Travis, who they wow. tracked, they tracked the- down by his email. <laughs> Wow, not that smart then, huh? Yeah, and his emails should have been something like, like with our with our emails, you know, we got some funky names, I'm sure, for your emails or whatever like that, you know, like, you know, I could be like Dr. Phil at Yahoo.com or whatever or something stupid. And uh, this guy was just like, hey, I'm Maury Travis, you know, might as well just put Maury Travis killer at Yahoo.com, you know. <laughs> well, it's a good thing he was that stupid. Yes, that was his undoing. Wow. That was literally his undoing. Um, and this is before torrents and all those other sites that can help block your IP address, you know, because that's how you can block your IP address. Because that's how some people are like, oh, man, the UK has better um, Netflix stuff than the US. And I'm in the US. Well, yeah, you could. They have different programming. So that's- you can you can uh, disguise your IP address through a torrent. And uh, and through other different VPNs and whatnot, and you can um, pretty much or IP vanish type of stuff like that. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. promoting these guys for free, but anyway, <laughs> uh, you can say it, it'll say, "Oh, he's in Australia, or he's in the UK, or he's in, or people in the UK can watch US programming by doing that." Huh? So, yeah, there's a way- yeah. So if this if this guy you know waited a few years because I think that started coming around 2007. Then he would have got away with it, basically, until he until he slipped up somehow. But on June third, that's when they got the information. Two thousand two, four days later, uh, the police SWAT team and FBI showed up at Maury's house and uh, pretty much interviewed him on the spot all day, while they searched and processed the house. That's where they found um, the videotapes. They found um, stuff that. You know, Polaroid pictures of women. They found uh, uh, blood all around in the basement. Um, they found uh, women's clothes that did not belong to him. And also uh, just a lot of mementos that he kept, like little trophies. Wow. Yeah, and as they're investigating and talking with him, he's trying to keep the control of the interview. So he's trying to, like, you know, take the interview the way he wants um he's even getting upset with him because his cat's roaming around the detectives keep petting it he gets very uncomfortable when they're petting the cats they notice that he flinches and he kind of like shakes his leg and then the the detectives like here you want your cat he's like yeah keep your creepy hands off my cat they're all for real yeah they're all keep our creepy hands they're the ones with the creepy hands yeah exactly the hell's wrong with this guy (laughs) yeah so it, it so what what the scary thing is here now picture picture this picture you're the detective right one of you guys is a detective and you're interviewing this guy face to face and you've just found like videotapes and you haven't watched him yet but you found these polaroids uh-huh. and you lay them out on the table in front of him there's 20 of them and you're like do you know this woman and he's just like i don't know what you're talking about i don't know what you're talking about and then you get frustrated 
and you take the pictures and you kind of put them on the side table after you you know put them all together as one stack and then he looks up at you after he's he keeps looking at the pictures and then five minutes goes by as you're asking him about something else he says let me see those pictures of those dead women again <laughs> that's a clear sign exactly and what do you say as a detective I never said those women are dead I, I said do you that- know those women I exactly yeah and then right then and there he's like I want my lawyer <laughs> <laughs> yeah he checked he out right then and there up. he screws up and then it's time to uh, cop out and act for a lawyer when you screw up yeah because right there he just lost control of the interview he wanted to dick these guys around as much as possible and the moment he messed up right there the cop had him he's like I'm shutting down that's it. So, if I'm not cop, I would have looked at him like, "Yep, I'm in control." <laughs> yeah, and then he. Tr- but here's the thing, though. Right when he said, "I want the the um the lawyer. lawyer," he goes to get a ride to the prison, and then he starts telling the lead detective, "Hey, I'll show you where the other bodies are." And they're <laughs> like, "Really? Okay." So they start wow. they start driving towards East St. Louis. Just for him to say, nah, nah, it's all right. Never mind. I'm good. Take me to prison. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they kept begging him. The cops in the FBI were begging him, like, look, there's a lot of damage done here. It would look really good on you if we can close these cases, give these families some some uh, closure. And he's like, well, I don't want the death penalty. And I know if, if I go, <clears throat> I'm probably going to get the death penalty if I release some more and, and they're like, look, we'll do whatever we can not to get you the death penalty. You know, I'll, we'll put in good word, you know, blah, 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 blah. He's trying to save himself. And uh, he's like, I don't, you know, I want a good prison, you know, and they're trying to work deals with him. They're like, we'll, we'll put you in a good pus- a prison away from um, other inmates. We'll give you this, you know, they're trying to get him to just help these people out and he won't budge now. He's yeah. done. He's done helping. A hole. Exactly. So, uh, to wrap this up, he goes to prison, and uh, the FBI has their agents, you know, wanting to interview him. But first, they have the doctors check him out, psychologists. They want to make sure that he's not going to be a threat to himself. And although the the doctors and the psychologists say he's no threat to himself, he he's all about self preservation. He wants to live. You know, the the police are smart. They're like, hey, you know what? Nah, we don't believe it. This guy's, you know, he's probably at some point going to break. You know, he, he didn't like prison before. Let's put him on suicide watch, right? Uh-huh. And you think, okay, he'll be fine till trial. We got this guy. Oh, no, he killed himself. Bingo, Gabby. Bingo. Damn it! <sighs> this is one of those those things where you say, you had one job, damn it, Johnson. Like a suicide watch. Yeah. So you have in, in the St. Louis jail or prison where they had him, you had basically an inmate slash guard watching of the inmate. So you have in 15 minute intervals, whether the dude's taking a shower or not, whether he's playing with himself, uh, playing G.I. Joe, whatever, you have someone watching him, whether it's a guard or an inmate. For some reason... There was a 30-minute gap that the, the guard and the inmate missed their scheduled um, 
rounds. So that's he all. had, yep, that's all it takes. And he had 30 minutes to take his sheets, time around a vent, tie it around his neck. Now, this is a part that gets sketchy. He put toilet paper up his nose, he shoved toilet paper down his throat, and tied his hands behind his back. What? That's how he was found. How can he be tied and hung himself? I have no idea. I'm trying to figure this out too. That's the twist. Yeah, I've never I never yeah, I, I Like why would you need to tie your own hands? Well, oh, okay. Oh, and he had toilet paper up his nose as well. So, I'm trying to figure out what's the toilet paper? Unless he's trying to What you know, I'm plug saying his... is that he's he's just trying to make sure that his he's not going to react once he's like choking to want to undo it. He's going to die. Like he's not going to get a change of heart and he's going to suffocate himself either way. I just don't get the behind his back. How do he do that? How did he tie his arms? I don't know. And and, and here's, here's the thing too. He already had a penned out um, uh, suicide note saying that he apologized to his mom. His mom was the best thing in his life. He ruined his life and ruined hers at the same time uh, to not blame herself for everything. His dad's a piece of crap because the dad left when he was young um, and that um, he's sorry for um, committing all the crimes that he did. Um, not sorry to the families, but just sorry that he got caught, basically. Sorry we got caught. Yeah. And um, so this this guy was going to rot in jail and get the death penalty either way. They had him linked to uh, several murders via um, DNA <clears throat> and plus the videotape had him. You know, and then they were still pissed off about the rest of the bodies because to this day, uh, they're they're he copped to 17, so that means there's eight bodies out there somewhere. And uh, but they have 20 women via on Polaroid or on video, so they think at least there's 20 women dead. It could be that some of those were the ones he let loose, that could be too. I got away. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also theories that maybe he just said that number to make himself more popular because he was narcissistic. Um, there's also uh, to this to this day right now they still will they went back and forth and I think it was just a couple of years ago um, they tried to uh, again sue the city because they feel that it was an inside job someone killed him. So his family's his family. I was been... gonna say that maybe that inmate did not miss his rounds. Could be. That's that's the thing that the the, the family of him have been fighting. But I think the city's just like screw him, dude. He was a piece of trash anyway. Maybe they took him out, but then it doesn't make sense because they still wanted information about him. They wanted to see what made him tick because we don't know what made him tick. They never got the opportunity to. Mm-hmm. So the going back to the beginning of the story as we wrap it up, 2014 was when our our uh, woman here was watching the story of her own house, <laughs> and 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 uh, there what happened? Yeah, Sandra the mother had leased the house out without telling anybody, so she had tenants after this, and she's like, oh yeah, come down, I'll give you a discount, you can stay in the house for this much. Never told her about the uh, 
the issue here. So when she confronted her, she was even more surprised to realize that was Maury's mother and that she didn't give a crap about it and was holding her to the lease. So it took a year of her fighting the, um, the uh, what is it called, the housing board and Sandra in court to get herself released from the lease because it would have been a huge uh, penalty if she were just to jump the lease. Uh-huh. And this woman had two small children of her own, and they would all complain after they found out about... Now, again, you could choose to believe this or not, but after they found out about the killings and everything, they started to hear voices. Uh, the daughter started... When she went to the basement, she stopped going down there to play because she started to see visuals of women being tied up to that pillar in the middle of the basement. What? Yeah. So you could take that with a grain of salt. Could be true, could not. But that's what they were experiencing. It was freaking them out to a point to where at the end, before they got the lease broken finally, legally, that they were actually staying at other people's homes because they were too scared to stay at their own house. I mean... Anything is possible, but it's also possible that the mom had the kids agree with her so they can get out of the lease faster. True. True, or that was just playing with her head once they found out. So. Yeah. But that's yeah. that's a case. Play a lot of tricks. That's what? Sorry. No, I'm saying your brain can play tricks on you. Definitely. It sure can. It sure can, but uh, yeah, that's the case of Maury Travis. I mean, we have, um, you know it's it's arguable but there could still be nine bodies out there or eight bodies out there and then maybe up towards uh, 11 yeah if he got his fix from killing women there's no way that he taped 20 and didn't kill most of them yeah I agree yep but he did most of that damage within about a two year span or less I mean he won't be damaging anyone anymore but I still think he went out the easy way of course Absolutely. And it was off with his wang. Yeah, this is definitely a wang. Uh, <laughs> this is definitely a wang that he did not need to use. Because, I mean, if if you're killing women for the use of your wang, I mean, if there was a way to chop it off, then reattach it, then chop it off again, I think that's probably fitting. Or, like I would do, Todd, you could just do it in pieces. <laughs> And make him go through the torture over and over. Piece by piece. Yep. Limb by limb. Slice by slice. Brick by brick. Oh, stop it. Because <laughs> we talked in the pre-show. I, I have a case coming up where there's going to be some wang mutilation. And it's, it's not going to oh. be fun. Ooh. <laughs> oh. Get the popcorn ready. Oh, yeah. It's Aww. not going to be good. Trust me. It's not going to be good. That bad? So yeah, it's not good at all. Oh, I could hear I thought, you guys. I thought I thought the wang was being taken off by the the, the suspect. No, the suspect is going to be doing some wang mutilation. Oh, oh, never no. mind. Then sorry. Yeah, yeah. no popcorn. <sighs> yeah. Oof. Well, that's a sneak peek of our next episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we actually, I will give a shout out to Marilyn. Uh, Marilyn's a dear friend of the show. Uh, Ellen she, Rice? Yes. Uh, she suggested a story. That's going to be my next one once we get into that one. So I, t- I told her we would get it in before the end of the month. So we're going to do that. Shout out to Marilyn. 
We didn't get our shout-outs. I have an announcement. What's that? So it's kind of like a shout-out, but also not. I don't know. Okay. Um, I just wanted to say I appreciate all the love, all the support, and the fact that some of our listeners, you know, are trying to, you know, form friendships with us and everything. I appreciate all of that. I just wanted to say I hope I'm not offending anybody. I've been requested by some of you on my personal page. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or anything like that, but I try to keep my personal life separate from the grinding true crimes. So if I haven't responded or I don't approve requests, that's because my personal life and my family life is on the side of the grinding true crimes. I have nothing against you. I just choose to keep that separate it's fair but enough. i am grateful that you guys are looking for us and contacting us and feeling like we're family we're friends i really appreciate that so i hope everybody can respect that i really don't want to offend anybody but that's just my personal feeling on it i love you guys though <laughs> what well, that's well it's well said i mean like because we when we started this we were going to be incognito no matter what I don't think any of us really realized that we were going to stay in touch or like, you know, message or, you know, because we do get emails we, we respond to, we respond to comments. Like if you guys have questions, gals up there, whatever, you know, it doesn't always have to be about true crime. If you've ever heard the live episode, we talk about just about everything. Everything. Yeah. So it, it's, uh, yeah, we try to have like a cool little community and we, we feel we do. But um, it's always been like it's one of those things where if if you want to share your you know everything out there, kudos. There's a lot of people that do do that. But uh, you know, she's got her preferences. I've got my preferences, and so does Matt. So um, we respect you, respect us, and we're all good. You know. Yes, absolutely. I concur with both of you guys. I agree. You know what, man? <laughs> hey, real quick. I, I didn't give a shout out. Oh, my God. You were thinking it. <laughs> you said it. You go, we girl. Where are we going with this? <laughs> I'm going to write a letter to the owner of the company. Where are we going with this? <laughs> you guys hey. are rude. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I see where it's going now. Okay? <laughs> now I see it. <laughs> you guys are jerks. <laughs> if y'all agree, if, if you know what, I, 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 can't even, I can't even say. If y'all know, y'all know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, I want to give a shout out to uh, D. I, I hope I say the name right. D. Polly and uh, Liz Mills, Gasson, Nita Herger, and DeClain Collins. They uh, also have been showing some love on uh, Facebook and even give us uh, some recommendations. And in, in uh, they tagged us in recommendations for uh, some of the nice uh, top 10 grinding true crime podcasts. So wanted to give you guys a shout out for recognizing us. We thank you and we appreciate you guys uh, supporting what we do. Absolutely. So uh, there's a shout out. Yeah, and if uh, we can get uh, if if you could help us out too, uh, we'll shout you out to uh, giving us five stars. That really helps out. 
five stars. Mm-hmm. Well, with that being said, thank you, Todd, for breaking down your episode of Mr. Mori Povich. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Was it Travis Murray? Uh, Maury Travis. Oh, Maury Travis. Same thing. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. One more thing I want to want to say though, real quick. Uh, it's a deep dive, but you might be able to find it on YouTube. Um, you can hear. They don't show. I mean, because obviously it'd be a snuff video if they did. But you can hear audio of him talking to these women. And these women are still alive. So oh. if you're in the market of and you could stomach it, it's there. you shouldn't have said that, Todd. <laughs> I'm just saying. We dude. forgot to say listener discretion is advice. We sure forgot. Did. To look for it. I bet you I are. Don't need to, but I, you know I am. I'm cool. <laughs> yeah. So I'll have I'll have a, I'm not going to put that in the link. So don't ask me for it. But I'll I'll definitely have some pictures on the you know, Facebook. Make a link. Yep. Yep. Well, with all that being said, thank you, Todd Fox, for breaking down that story of uh, Murray. Pur- I mean, uh, Travis Murray. I mean, Mor- Murray Travis. <laughs> What's wrong with you? I'm doing it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Murray Travis, right? Murray Travis, yes. Yes. Thank you, Todd Fox, and thank you guys for listening in uh, to our uh, latest episode. Uh, before we uh, leave. Just a quick reminder, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Just go to Grinding True Crimes uh, podcast. And also, if you want to listen to us on your podcast stream, just go to Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, and Podbuy. And for those outside of the U.S., continue to listen to us on Radio Public Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Podchaser. Okay, with all that being said, this has been the Grinding True Crimes podcast. With your host, Maddie Matt, along with Gabby Gab and Todd Fox. And we're signing off. <laughs> Doodles. Peace. Y'all come back now, you hear? Just not the Ferguson. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs>